Well, I was at this event. I was a speaker, and um, there were probably about, I don't know, several hundred, four or five hundred um, teenagers and adults over this wide field area. And um, I was there uh, just kind of talking with another group of adults as we were looking out over these kids. And they're out over the fields, you know, there's soccer going on, and there's basketball and volleyball, and kids just hanging out, doing the things that, all, that they do. And um, there was this one woman who came up to me, and she stands there next to me, and we're looking at all these kids, and I, I just, you have to just picture it in your mind's eye. You know, they're, they're, all, they're all just kind of, you know, conglomerated there on this field, about like the size of maybe a soccer field, and they're all out there playing and goofing off and, and doing the things that, you know, 13 to 18-year-olds do that drive their parents crazy and, you know, break things and upset things and all that kind of stuff. They're just out there goofing off as we get ready for the event. And this really cool thing happened. There was this woman who came alongside me. She was a middle-aged woman. She, she had a young adult as a son. And um, she looks out over the crowd. I mean, there's just a huge number of people. And she got this smile on her face. You see, her son had been away for some time. I don't know whether he was a college student or whatever. I really can't remember all the details. But he had been away for a while, and he was there. And she looks out over the crowd... And she just kind of starts shaking her head. And she gets this smile on her face. You know, like, yeah, there he is. And I'm thinking, what's she talking about? And I said, you see him, don't you? And she said, yeah, I do. I mean, we're a long distance off. I said, how, how can you see your son? How, how can you see him? I mean, it's a whole mass of people. And she said, he walks just like his daddy. You know, I thought that was a really neat moment in in my life as I reflect upon my relationship with the Lord. You know, it is odd as I get older and see pictures of my father and see pictures of me, I'm beginning to look a lot like him, you know? We had the same mannerisms. And and my sons get that about me, where they'll be someplace and somebody will say, you talk just like your dad. It happens, doesn't it? There's nothing we can do to keep it from happening. You can't stop it. You can't produce it. It just is. Our nature comes out. That mom had been away from her son for some time. And she looked out over the crowd and she picked him out of 400 kids. And she knew right there he was. And her only explanation, and it carried all kinds of weight in her mind. It was the proof is in the pudding. She knew. Open, shut case. One piece of evidence. He walks just like his daddy. Today's Father's Day, and we celebrate dads, and we are very blessed to have not only earthly fathers, but we have a heavenly father if we're in Christ Jesus. And what I want to talk today is, is I want to talk about our father, and I want to look in the book of Ephesians, where we're going to be. If you want to go there, I'm going to be in Ephesians chapter 4, and I want us to see that Jesus, in the, in the person of Jesus, in the acts of Jesus, in the life of Jesus, I want the fathers in the room I want the men in the room, I want the women in the room, the children in the room, to be challenged by Jesus' example of what a loving leader looks like. What is it that a loving leader does? Now, humanly speaking, it's a coincidence that we land on this passage today on Father's Day. I didn't really set it up myself. It just kind of worked that way. But I don't want you to hear this only for dads, although it certainly applies whether you're a father or not. 
God calls for you to walk as Jesus walked. Whether you are a man or a woman, God calls for you to walk as Jesus walked. Whether you're married, single, you have children, whether you are a child yourself, you are called to walk as Jesus walked. And we'll see together today that Jesus came from the Father, is what he said in John chapter 16. I've come from the Father. There it is, yeah. And now I'm leaving the world to go back to the Father. And when he goes back to the Father, he leaves us here as representatives of that Father. And we're now living out in this world, walking as our daddy walks and reflecting him. Ephesians chapter 4 is where I'm going to read. I'm going to look at verses 7 through 10, and let's read through these. It says, But grace was given to each one of us according to to the measure of Christ's gift. Therefore it says... When he ascended on high, he led a host of captives and gave gifts to men. In saying he ascended, what does it mean but that he had also descended into the lower regions, the earth? He who descended is the one who also ascended far above the heavens that he might fill all things. Now, I want us to understand what this passage is saying, and it's honestly a little confusing when you just read it straight out. But as we kind of tear it apart a little bit and, and, and just calmly understand what it is, I believe you'll find it very challenging. First of all, I want you to notice in verse number eight that in your Bible, very likely, it's in quotations. When it says, when he ascended on high, he led a host of captives and gave gifts to men. You might wonder, why is that in quotations, and why is it indented that way? Well, the translators, the the editors of our Bible, are trying to give us a hint of the fact that Paul here is quoting from another passage of Scripture. And this is Psalm chapter 68. And I think I have it for the screen for you, at least the important part. And I want us to see here how this is pointing us to the need for real leaders. The need for real leaders. On the top of your screen, I've got Psalm 68, verse number 18. Now, before I read it, I just want to tell you what it is. It's it's recounting God's working on the earth. In particular, this, this passage, verse number 18, is referring to the moment when God delivered the Israelites from the hands of the Egyptians. Remember that? The Ten Commandments, Charlton Heston, all that kind of stuff, okay? When God brought the, the Israelites out of Egypt... Psalm 68 is is celebrating that. And it's saying that God led a host of captives in his train and received gifts among men. Now that's how the Lord inspired his word to be written in Psalm chapter 68. And you remember the story? The Israelites took off out of Egypt And God told them, before you go, ask your Egyptian masters for their treasures and their jewelry and their earrings and all that. And you will basically have the spoils of war because they'll give them to you. And as the Israelites left, the Egyptians gave them all their jewelry, said, get out of town. And they took most of their belongings with them into the desert. And they offered that as gifts to the Lord. But I want you to see what God's spirit does here. In Ephesians, and I think you'll get our point today. 
of what a real leader is and what a real leader does. God led Israel out of Egypt. Jesus, though, gives us the picture of what a real leader is like. Look what it says from Ephesians. He, being Jesus, led a host of captives and gave gifts to men. See the difference? See, the Psalm 68 passage is is just reflecting sort of the way of the world. Not that it was wrong. God inspired that they would do this. It wasn't wrong. It's how the world operates, though. And the world system, if you lead, you get. And the world system, if you're the guy or the gal in charge, it's all for you. In the world system, if I'm the leader, you serve me. This is why it is when we tell husbands, you're to lead your family. Many women today, they picture a man sitting in his living room calling out for iced tea. Give me some iced tea, woman. Nothing wrong with bringing somebody iced tea. Nothing wrong for asking for a glass of iced tea. But that's not the picture of leadership that Jesus gives us. Notice what he did. When Jesus led this host of captives, he gave gifts to men. It's just a, it started us down the road to see the difference that Jesus makes. See, I want to look today at what's called Christology, okay? We're going to take just a quick look at the doctrine of Jesus, all right? What does the Bible tell us about Jesus? And we're going to really focus in quickly today on three aspects of the Lord Jesus Christ. First, we're going to talk about his incarnation. This is the idea that God became a man. Jesus became a man, took on flesh, and dwelt among us. Permanently became a man. Jesus today is in a body. You know that? He's in a body today. He didn't take a body and then get out of that thing after 33 years. He's in a body today. A resurrected body. That's why he can sit at the right hand of the Father. We're also going to look at the substitution work that Jesus did on our behalf. And then finally, a part that we don't really think much about, but that is the ascension. And all this is laid out in Ephesians. Let's see it and understand and and see what a loving leader does. First of all, in that passage, you'll notice that it says, as as we look at Jesus, that he descended. Look at verse number nine, if you have your Bible. It says he ascended, and saying that, what does it mean? But that he also descended. Jesus, this loving leader, descended is what the Bible is saying. Now, what does descended mean? It means to come down. Come down. What an act of humility this was that God, the creator, came to earth as the creation. You see, this is beyond our ability to grasp because it is so counter the way that we think. Recently, I, I did some work at my house. We made a little patio, okay? And, and we filled in all the cracks with this hardened sand. And, and I was looking forward to going out and sitting all by myself on my patio. And I go out there and sit. Got no shoes on. I'm just kind of relaxing there, sitting in the seat. And all of a sudden, I feel something crawling on my foot. Okay? And I look down. It's not that scary. It's not a snake. Relax, some of you. It's not a spider. Relax, the rest of you. Just a common ant. Just an ant. And the weird thing was, I looked down at my patio. It's covered with ants. They're all over the place. 
Like, I thought I beat you guys. I thought I filled in all the cracks so you wouldn't come through. So what did I do? I just started doing what you do. Right? Just start smashing all these ants. Don't be mad at me, okay? I apologize to them. But what Jesus did, he descended and became the creation. It's not much different than me somehow becoming the ant, right? He, he descended. It says, he descended into the lower regions, the earth. He who descended is the one who would ascend. This is the incarnation ministry of Jesus. This great sacrifice, a courageous sacrifice that God invaded the earth. That God invaded the earth. By becoming a man. Incarnate literally means in flesh. That Jesus, in humility, in submission, in meekness, using these terms that Paul has already used, descended into the earth and became one of us. This is what a leader does. This is what a loving leader does. He enters into the world of those that he wants to impact. You see, it wasn't enough. God knew it wasn't enough for for God to just be separated from us. Job in chapter 9, he said this, if I just had a man who could operate as an arbitrator between me and God... Job in his suffering was crying out for one who would stand between him and God. A man who would be there between him and God, arbitrating between those two. Job didn't know how prophetic he was being. That God would become a man and enter into our world. Let me show you two passages from John chapter 1, verse number 14. John 1, 14 says, And the word became flesh. And dwelt among us. He dwelt among us. And listen what it says. And don't miss this. So we have seen his glory. Glory as of the only son from the father. Full of grace and truth. I've asked you this question before. Wouldn't it be awesome if God. In all of his majesty. Became a man. So we could see him. He has. He did. He is. John 1.18, no one has seen God. The only God who is at the Father's side, he has made him known. The incarnation of Jesus. God comes into the earth as a man, courageously invading the earth, sacrificing in that way, taking on flesh, For two reasons, I want you to hear. Two reasons. One, to reveal the character of God so we can know what God is like. If you want to know what God is like, don't try to go off on a mountainside by yourself and find him. You won't. You only find you. That's all you'll find there. You will not find God on a mountainside by yourself looking for him. You won't find him there. You find him in the person of Jesus. That's where you go. 
Go watch him loving the sinful woman. Go watch him touching the leper. Go watch him reaching out to people and telling them the truth about who God is. Go see him there and you will find God. Revealing him. And of course, Jesus became a man, incarnated, became flesh, so he could die. He descended so he could die and deal with our sin so we can be with him. I tell you, no, there's no better picture. Poor Mark, I tell you what. Thanks for what you're doing, Mark. Great servant. I think a great picture, if you want, if you want to see what this looks like, go to the young dad's home. There's a, there's a young man in his house. He's got a bunch of kids, you know, three, four of those lovely monsters crawling around all over the place, okay? And there he sits in the middle of his living room floor, surrounded by a pile, by a pile of Lego blocks, building little cars and houses and those kinds of things. I had a mom one time walk in our house and see that. Me, one of those, and I didn't do it all the time, don't get me wrong, but I'm there playing with my kids, Legos. And she said to my wife, I didn't know Lowell liked to play with Legos. Think about that. She didn't get it. That dad's not on the floor playing with Legos because he likes to play with Legos. He's down on the floor playing with Legos because he likes to be with his children. It's incarnation ministry. It's courageous. It's talking to those teens even though you don't want to. I know. Men, it's taking a walk with your wife, getting away from ESPN and walking with her and telling her about your day. Ladies, it's going ahead and going and sitting by the woodpile with your husband while he splits firewood. It's being in their world. Jesus modeled it. It's what a leader does. Jesus came into the world. He entered into the world and became one of us so we can see what God is like. But that's not the only reason. Not the only thing we need to learn here today. Moving along, it says that he, back to the passage, he led a host of captives. He led. Not as a leader, enter into the world of those that he loves and longs to have influence on, but he protects them. And the way that Jesus did it is through substitution. Through substitution. Notice it says, he led a host of captives. He led Jesus out in front, a host of captives now. Who were these captives? And who were they captive to? Prior to this moment, they were captive to sin and death and destruction. But Jesus descended into the world. Okay, that's all wrapped together here. It's like, it's like this was written by God or something, you know? It, God descended into the world taking on flesh to reveal to us the Father, to redeem mankind so that he could die in our place and set those, fra- those captives free. And now he leads them. And behind Jesus comes a whole just stream of people. And behind that stream of people are shackles and chains of captivity left off on the ground in their wake. He has set us Free, amazing grace. See, in his substitutionary death, 
when Jesus, who took on flesh that was capable of death and went to the cross for us in our place, he brings us victory. See how 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse number 21 says it. I think I've got this for you. It says, for our sake, he made him to be sin. Stop right there. For our sake, he made him to be sin. Who knew no sin. The only sinless creature ever has upon him sin. So that in him we might become the righteousness of God and be led by him. Captive free. Shackles gone. Following behind the Lord Jesus. Now, I ask you back to where we started. The world's picture of leadership the system of leadership in our world. What's the leader do? Jesus himself said it. He said, the Gentiles lord it over those that they lead so that they are the benefactor. That's how it works in the world. If you're the leader, you're, you benefit. You, you're on the take from those that you're leading. And look what it says. Go back to the Bible. Look what it says. It's, it's all through it. Verse 7. But grace, grace is getting something you don't deserve. It's getting something you don't deserve. Grace was given. This is a gift. Grace is now given to each one of us. Not the worthy, not the smart, not the fast. Not the successful, not the beautiful people. No, no, no. To each one of us, grace is given according to the measure of Christ's gift. What's the measure of his gift? Immeasurable. Immeasurable. You see, this leader doesn't take. This leader doesn't, he's not the benefactor. He gives. When he ascends, it says in verse number nine, he ascended because he had descended. He who descended is the one who also ascended far above the heavens that he might fill all things. Jesus said it this way. In John chapter 16, verse number seven, talking to his disciples who he's now told them, I'm leaving you. They just now get it. It's in chapter 16 of John. There's 21 chapters in that book. Look how close we are to the end, and they finally get it. It's the night before Jesus dies. He says, I'm leaving. But he said this. It is to your advantage that I go. It's to your advantage that I go. Because if I do not go, I cannot send the helper to you. You see, when Jesus ascended, look at verse number 10. He who was down on the earth, he ascended far above the heavens that he might fill all things. You know what that word fill means? You know what it means? 
It doesn't exactly mean take a glass and fill it up. That's not really exactly what it means. It means to complete, to to fill up for the purpose of. It means to accomplish the design of. Jesus ascended to be with God in the heavens and then sent this gift of the Spirit of God into every single believer, not the cool ones, not the great ones, into them all, so that we might all fill our purpose. See, this is what leaders do. Ladies, this is, what you, this is how you lead your children and how you lead at your workplace and how you lead your friends. In humility and in meekness, you lead them this way. Men, this is how you lead in the world that you are in. You're in the world and you sacrifice and you, you protect and you provide and you give. Fathers, this is how you lead. The world system says leaders take. Jesus gave. Let us go and do likewise. Let's pray. Father in heaven, Lord, thank you for this time. Lord, give us, give us the hope that we can have because the only secret to real leadership is your spirit completing us. That is the advantage. That is the hope that we have. Father, I pray for anybody here who wants to be a good dad or wants to be a good mom or wants to be a good Christian or wants to be a good whatever. Lord, may they look to you the only hope we have that you in your ascension and in the the sending of your spirit would fulfill the purpose we were made for. We pray this in Jesus' name, amen.